Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, I know it was a couple of days ago, but I think this, this case is very important to discuss. And of course, I'm talking about Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt, and they were sentenced the other day. And we're going to get into that, and we're going to get into the factors behind it, whether they're remorseful, what the sentence actually means. And we'll watch some of the sentencing from the perspective of, of the public watching the actual judge and the interactions in the courtroom and, and what, the, what they all mean. Uh, parenting YouTuber, remember, uh, Ruby Frankie and her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, uh, they pled guilty, of course, to uh, child abuse charges that stemmed from one of Frankie's children escaping Hildebrandt's house in August and went to a neighbor for help. Uh, they've been sentenced to prison. Each could serve as much as 30 years, uh, the prosecutor said after the hearing, although that's doubtful. The most severe penalty under Utah law. Uh, Frankie has been sentenced uh, to four consecutive prison terms, uh, which could range from one to 15 years each. The Utah Board of Pardons and Parole will determine prison time. Uh, that, this is according to KUTV in Utah. Frankie has 30 days to appeal the decision. Hildebrandt received the same sentence of four consecutive prison terms, which could again range from one to 15 years. Like Frankie, Hildebrandt's prison time will be determined by the Utah Board of Pardons and Parole. Uh, Frankie, who gave parenting advice on her now defunct Eight Passengers YouTube channel and Hildebrandt, who operated a counseling business called Connections, were each initially charged with six counts of aggravated child abuse. A secondary felony, each count carried a potential penalty of one to 15 years in prison and a fine up to $10,000. So, folks, we're going to get into this a little bit deeper and from a police perspective, but also from the perspective of you guys out there listening to this case. And what does this case mean? And we have an excellent co-host with me today. I won't introduce him yet. So hang on to your seats. Hang on to your hats. Get ready to enter true crime from a police perspective. The off-the-cuff zone. The police off-the-cuff zone. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped in Tampa Ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. We're back with me today, and thank God I have him with me today because he's the voice of reason, retired NYPD sergeant, professor at Albertus Magnus College in Connecticut, and attorney, welcome to the show, Mike Geary. Mike, welcome. Hey, Billy. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Welcome, everyone. 
You know, Mike, before I show some of the hearing, uh, what are your thoughts on this? And I know we, we've covered this case a great deal of, in, in the past, but some of the thoughts, I believe, when you hear this, the, the sentence and the, the parameters of this sentence, four counts and one to 15 years, that could mean one year on each count. Right. So they could do four years. But in the case of Hildebrandt, uh, we'll watch some of the judge speaking. I think the judge uh, has had it with her. And if he could, if he would have, uh, if the sentencing was up to him, I think he would have really slammed her worse because she's the most egregious of the two here. Not to, not to give a pass to Ruby Frankie. But Jody Hildebrandt is is really uh, horrific. Yeah, Billy. You know, it's it's uh, because of the possible uh, behind the scenes machinations, perhaps, of the Church of Latter Day Saints. We we in New York, because we don't have that here, we don't really know what maybe is going on behind the scenes. I would prefer to see uh, uh, what they call a determinate sentence, like five years for each, or one year for each, or ten years for each consecutively or concurrently served the idea of a one to 15 year sentence for each that's called indeterminate sentencing and it gives the parole board a great latitude tremendous latitude to uh either keep uh hildebrand and frankie in prison for somewhere between one and 60 years or to get them out you know is whenever they want depending on if they uh when parole board decides that they've been rehabilitated it doesn't seem to me to give the public a lot of confidence when they hear these really wide ranges. Um, and I think that's sad because it just leads people to believe that maybe there's something else going on behind the scenes when maybe there isn't, but it, it kind of hurts the public trust. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Mike. It's, it, it's uh, one to 15. How does it, how does that range get put in there? And uh it it gives them the the uh, a way to give them an out and to give them a lesser sentence rather than a more severe sentence. Let's watch a little bit of Jody Hildebrandt's uh, sentencing hearing right here. Court recalls the matter of State of Utah versus Hildebrandt, case two three one five zero one seven six three. Counsel are present. Ms. Hildebrandt is present. Counsel, there is a pre-sentence investigation report. I have read it. Everyone has seen and reviewed that. Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. Again, the sentence was stipulated at the time of the plea agreement. What what record do we need to make other than going forward with sentencing? Um, I, Your Honor, I it, it would be repetitive. I so I, I had the same statement just with the last few paragraphs where, where I was differentiating between Ms. Frank and Ms. Hildebrand. Okay, let's talk about, about housekeeping matters first. What about restitution? We've, we've stipulated to keep that open for eight months. You know, Mike, that is a, a really important thing that you don't see in most cases. Right. And right. restitution. And both Jody Hildebrand and Ruby Frankie are women of means. They right. both... Uh, in Ruby Frankie's case with her uh, YouTube eight passengers, she made millions of dollars. Right. Where is that money now? I don't know. Uh, Jody Hildebrandt with connections. And again, she went in partners with uh, Ruby Frankie. They also made great money. So 
they're going to part with a lot of this money when you hear about, you know, reparations and the, these kids and others potentially, people could come out of the woodwork to sure. start suing the both of them. Your thoughts? Yeah, Billy, uh, the children themselves who've been in, who've been traumatized by the horrific treatment they got, they could individually on their own sue for uh, damages to them for uh, abuse, neglect, you know, child neglect, things like that. So, and it can do it to both of them. So that may be, uh, perhaps a state is going, of Utah is going to look for some sort of restitution for court, court costs and for investigative expenses, um, housing the children, you know, while, you know, that sort of thing, they could do it. These people have a lot of money, perhaps it's invested in land or property, but that, you know, they may uh, try to get some sort of judgment against them. They do have a lot to lose besides their freedom. They may lose pretty much every penny they have, every penny they work for. And when the criminal justice system is done with them in somewhere between four and 60 years, they may find themselves, um, you know, uh, qualifying for welfare because they won't have too much left. But uh, yeah, that's a big concern for them because they both are known to have money because of their success doing what they did. Absolutely. Yeah. It is appropriate, Your Honor, since we don't have any evidence with respect to restitution, and that's because it is still in the process of being gathered by uh, the county attorney's office. It's, a, it's completely appropriate for the court to make no orders with respect to restitution other than to reserve all issues regarding restitution, and we have no issue with the eight-month eight uh, uh, time frame. Okay. And the injunction that was previously issued by the court will remain in effect? It will. In, at least until that time? It will remain in effect until further order of this court. All right. Mr. Clark. Thanks, Your Honor. The state of Utah respectfully requests that the court sentence Ms. Hildebrandt to consecutive prison terms for each of the four counts of aggravated child abuse to which she has pleaded guilty. The sentence was agreed to her in her plea agreement and is also recommended by adult probation and parole. Ms. Hildebrandt committed awful acts of child abuse. From May to August 2023, she and her business partner held two children, ages nine and 11, turning 12, in a concentration camp-like setting in her house in Ivan City. The children were regularly denied food, water, beds to sleep in, and virtually all forms of entertainment. They were isolated from others and were hidden when people came to visit the house. They were forced to do physical tasks like carrying loaded boxes up and down stairs and doing wall sits or sitting against a wall without assistance of a chair or stool for hours at a time. They were forced to do manual labor outdoors in the extreme summer heat, often without shoes or socks. They were also forced to stand outside on a cement patio in the summer heat for hours and even days. They were beaten and the 12 year old was regularly bound hand and foot after he attempted to run away in mid July. Both children had extensive physical injuries from the abuse that required hospitalization to treat. The injuries from the binding are particularly bad. In addition to the physical abuse, the children were emotionally abused. They each believed to some degree that they deserved what was being done to them. Had the older of the two children not had the courage to run away and ask a neighbor to call the police, heaven only knows how much longer he could have survived. After being caught, Ms. Hildebrandt has shown little to no remorse for her actions. In telephone conversations, that will be provided in full to the Board of Pardons and Parole, and which she knew to be recorded, She's repeatedly claimed that she is the victim 
and the children of the perpetrators. She has gone so far as to say that the things said in this proceeding and covered by the media today will be full of lies. The combination of three factors make Ms. Hildebrand a significant threat to the community. First, the severity of the abuse she caused to be inflicted on young children. Second, her attitude that everything she did was justified and that she is being wrongfully imprisoned. And third, her training as a therapist and aptitude for using online resources to convince others to follow her guidance. Utah Code Section 76-3401 lays out three factors the court should consider in determining whether to impose concurrent or consecutive sentences. The first is the gravity and circumstances of the offense. The second is the number of victims. And the third is the history, character, and rehabilitative need of the defendant. As agreed to in the plea agreement and as recommended by adult probation and parole, consecutive sentences are appropriate here. This is due to the severity of the abuse to the two victims and the extreme need for Ms. Hildebrandt to be rehabilitated so that she no longer will present a risk to the community. The state respectfully requests that she be sentenced to four consecutive terms. Thank you, Mr. Clark. Mr. Terry. Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, I'll... Yeah, I just want to say, Mike, um, her appearance, uh, usually when a, a defendant hears the horrific things they've, well, she pled guilty to, they shake their heads uh, in some defensive way. Mm -hmm. uh, as, as if they weren't responsible for this. This is what she looked like, you know, just a few months ago. So you can see that jail has taken a toll on her. But does that mean that she's sorry for what she did or is she sorry for herself or is she just psychologically be, uh, beaten down? But we all have to think about the crimes that she committed. And, I mean, as I see her in this courtroom, on this day, uh, I have absolutely no sorrow for this woman. Yeah, Billy, it is natural that if you're hearing something at any stage of an accusation that you feel you actually feel is wrong, there is that, you know, no shaking the head, you know, that sort of thing, talking to the lawyer. But uh, the fact that she sat co stone cold uh, to me feels I'm just thinking in her head, she's sorry. She's not sorry for what she did she's sorry that she got caught and that's it and that's a big difference the idea that after she was caught and all the stuff started coming out during the investigation last couple of months that on recorded phone call conversations that she knew were recorded she would discuss with people the fact that she's actually the victim and the children were the ones who were like responsible you know that is so pathetic as a human being as as an adult not even as a child not taking responsibility for their actions you know uh this is an adult refusing to even acknowledge in some way shape or form that they have done it and is actually victim shaming victim blaming like i robbed that person because they had money i broke into the house because it was empty i beat those kids you know because you know they they actually needed to be beaten beaten because of their evilness you know it is a, a sick twisted mind I have no sympathy for her. I hope she rots in hell. Well said. We'll be brief. As is always the case in cases that come before courts, there are two sides to every case. And as um, 
and even in a case like this, that remains the case. Um, there are many, many allegations regarding these two individuals, Miss um, Frankie and my client, Miss Hildebrand. The only facts in this case that are adjudicated facts are those set forth in the plea agreement. You know, Mike, I can't even believe that this attorney uh, is trying to offer any defense whatsoever, especially in the fact that they pled guilty. So let, let's let, let it go. We know they're yeah. guilty. Right. And he's acting as if perhaps, you know, the only thing that was adjudicated was the guilty plea. So he, and he's talking about another side to this story. I mean, right. that could if if they weren't sentenced yet, I think that could infuriate the judge. Yeah, because he's saying, look, all the only things that have been adjudicated, meaning a finding, right, a fact are the things that she pled to. But he's trying to imply that there's other things that haven't been mentioned but that may actually be somewhat favorable to her or in be in conflict with what has been adjudicated. So he, he's, he's totally unprepared. You can see he's just, it's just right off, right. You know, uh, doing attorney one one by the, by, by the seat of his pants. Um, how he's not ready for with one small statement of, of showing some sort of uh, recognition of blame you know, it's sad, but I guess he doesn't have much to work with. I mean, really, he doesn't. Absolutely not. That she entered into, that she entered into freely and knowingly and voluntarily. Those facts, those adjudicated facts are significant. They certainly provide a basis for the pleas and provide a basis for the stipulated sentence in this case. My experience with Ms. Hildebrandt is that she is not the person that she has been portrayed to be. That's infuriating. Having said that, she has accepted responsibility in this case. She has entered into this plea agreement with a stipulated sentence of four consecutive sentences. She did that at the time she entered into the plea agreement, knowing that that would be the court's order. She's before the court today, knowing that that will be the court's order, and she fully accepts that. She accepts responsibility, and she accepts the consequences for her conduct. And we will submit it to the court on the stipulated agreement. Mr. Terry, you suggested that there, there are two sides to every case. I generally agree with you. Ms. Hildebrand didn't make a statement to AP&P in, in the course of the pre-sentence investigation report. Correct. Why did she not make, make a statement? She wanted to reserve her right to make a statement before the court today, and she has a brief statement that she wants to read. Okay. And, and All right. Ms. Hildebrand. Go ahead. I sincerely love these children. I desire for them to heal physically and emotionally. One of the reasons I did not go to trial is that I did not want them to emotionally relive the experience which would have been detrimental to them. 
My hope and prayer is that they will heal and move forward to have beautiful lives. I am willing to submit to what the state feels would be an appropriate amount of time served to make restitution as an outcome. And in answer to your question, Your Honor, I knew that whatever she might say to the author of the pre-sentence report would probably be sound uh, hollow or, and self-serving, and perhaps it does today. But I know that my client in the statement that she makes to the court today, that that, that statement is absolutely sincere. Not does, just does Hildebrandt recognize that it's her behavior that that caused the harm to the children that she's referred to in her statement? Your Honor, she recognizes that she was, along with Miss Frankie, um, that, that she made decisions with respect to the discipline of those children that were wrong, that caused harm to those children. She fully recognizes that and accepts responsibility for that. All right. Anything else? No, Your Honor. No, Your Honor. Okay. Ms. Hildebrandt, this, this circumstance is tragic. It's largely, of course, of your making. By any measure, your conduct in this case was disastrous for these children. Adults are supposed to protect children. Adults with specialized training in particular are supposed to protect children. You didn't do that in this case. In this, in this case, you terrorized children and the results have been tragic. It's what happened to these children and your philosophy in dealing with them frankly, seems detached from reality or any objective standard of decency or or even common sense. And the you know, Mike, I just want to say as the judge is speaking, this judge is old business. Uh, yeah. And it would, a, a, a judge like this, had there been a trial, I really believe the sentence would have been much, much greater, much harsher because he's showing no amusement in his voice whatsoever all business, all seriousness. And I questioned the plea bargain here uh, of the one to 15. And we'll get into that a little bit right. later, but this judge, uh, you know, he doesn't really want to hear what their excuses are for this. And as I said, if he could have decided this sentence and gave a more severe sentence, I, I believe he would have done so. Court finds that it is appropriate that you serve a prison sentence. The court finds under the statute, Utah Code 76-3-401, that given the gravity and circumstances of the offenses, the number of victims and the history and character and needs of the defendant that consecutive sentences are appropriate, the court imposes four one to 15 year sentences to be again served consecutively for each of the four counts of aggravated child abuse. The last thing I do need to tell you is that you only have 30 days to file or perfect an appeal of any error of the court by filing a written notice of appeal with the clerk of the court. If you don't do that, you will lose your right to appeal. That has to be filed in writing and again within 30 days. You also have the right to the assistance of an attorney and to have an attorney appointed if you cannot afford to hire your own. Thank you. We're in recess. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron.
That's the best part of it when you could see her walking into jail, you know, and right. eventually, of course, uh, it's not going to be jail. It's going to be uh, state prison. She'll right. be going to state prison. But again, Mike, for us being New Yorkers, it's a little bit difficult for us to understand four consecutive one to 15s because we're suspicious. We're suspicious oh, yeah. of the parole board. We're suspicious of someone intervening outside with huge political clout and huge mm -hmm. money that could somehow intervene in this sentence and get either Ruby Frankie or Jody Hildebrandt a reduced sentence, not because they deserve it, but because of politics behind the scenes. Your thoughts? Yeah, Bill, I would prefer a determinate sentence, a sentence announced by the judge five years for each count or four years for each count or six years for each count served consecutively or concurrently, make it clear. Okay. Uh, and so that therefore it's on the record from the beginning having, maybe this is the way they just do it all the time in uh, Utah where the judge announces the, the, uh, the, the maximum, which is like one to 15 without the, without the requirement that he actually pick a number so he says, okay, it's one to 15 for each one consecutively. Um, that's indeterminate. And that's supposed to be rehabilitative. It's an idea that we've had for many years. We've had it in New York. And sometimes it was really met with disaster because uh, from this point going forward, um, the public won't, you know, the decisions about what's going to happen to their treatment, how long they're going to be in, are going to be made behind closed doors in a room that the public doesn't get to see by parole board members. And this is where all the machinations of power, money, uh, political control, uh, church control, you know, that sort of thing come into play. I much would prefer um, it, the judge make the announcement of a definitive sentence for each count and just live with that and let's let the public know what the real deal is. One between four and 60 years, you know, th th there's too much play in there. And, and I don't like it as a New Yorker. Definitely don't like it. I, you know, Mike, I totally agree. And, and again, let's let's just take a, a, a good look at uh, at Jody Hildebrandt, the different faces of Jody Hildebrandt. Uh, and, and we have to look at her and her face as this sort of evil, evil, controlling. Here's, here's a picture. This is what she looks like after several months in jail. And she'll probably... Uh, although, you know, someone like her may wind up running the prison because uh, she has skills in mind control yeah. and that type of thing. And I, I have no zero, zero sympathy for this woman. And I also would love to know what, what has happened behind the scenes. What kind of deal did Ruby Frankie make? Uh, the deal potentially that scared Jody Hildebrandt's attorney into recommending to her to take a plea because if this would have went to trial and they would have made Ruby Frankie the one who was mind controlled and who was controlled by Jody Hildebrandt and that's why she did what she did I think they could have probably proved that and then you would see right Jody Hildebrandt going to prison for the very rest of her life and potentially uh Ruby Frankie could have sort of skated away with very little penalty yeah, you're right. If, if Ruby Frankie went to trial first, she would throw Jody Hildebrand under the bus and say, 
you know, this person manipulated me psychologically and uh, with her training and with her knowledge, uh, she broke up my family. Uh, I became twisted. I didn't understand. I didn't appreciate the consequences of my actions. She told me I, I was a bad mother and I needed to give her possession of my children and to show me how to actually, uh, you know, raise them properly. Uh, yeah, it would have been a total mess. And so I think uh, she, you know, they they both ended up taking pleas. And my guess is that because they both took pleas, um, that there is there's uh, there definitely is you know behind the scenes machinations. And so we'll see if uh, they may, uh, you know, worst case scenario, while they do one year uh, to to fifteen for the first child, first count, who knows if they're going to do one full year. And then they'll get paroled for that and then start the second year, which would be for the second count in the third year. Or maybe they would even get um, get uh, good time instead of doing one full year out of out of six out of 15. They'll do maybe nine months and get three months off for good time. Like, you don't know, all of these things are going to happen and these decisions are going to be made behind the scenes. So if the public is not satisfied, uh, you know, and our listeners are not satisfied. I, I, I'm with you 100% on this one, totally. Well, Mike, the three Ps, pardons, parole, probation. I don't mm -hmm. trust the people that make those decisions no. to no. do the right thing for society and do the right thing no. because uh, they are definitely influenced by the politics of the day mm -hmm. and uh, they can make their decisions based upon that. Having said that, I want to show some of Ruby Frankie's hearing uh, before, okay. of course, the same judge. One to 15 year sentences based on her convictions for four counts of aggravated child abuse. That was Judge John J. Walton on the bench in St. George, Utah, giving YouTube mom Ruby Frankie her sentencing range on four separate counts of felony aggravated child abuse. Also handed the same uh, sentencing range was defendant and alleged mentor to Frankie Jody Hildebrandt. Frankie ran a family-based YouTube channel called Eight Passengers. While he'll well, we we know all of this stuff. Yes. We have the look on the screen. That was um, that's Jody Hildebrand's home, which uh, all different uh, estimations of its worth anywhere from three to four to five million dollars. So she has assets. She mm -hmm. has assets that uh, she certainly is going to part with, and we'll get into that a little later. But. Let's get back to her here, to uh, uh, Ruby Frankie's hearing. statement without any intent to change my stipulated sentence. For the past four years, I've chosen to follow counsel and guidance that has led me into a dark delusion. My distorted version of reality went largely unchecked as I would isolate from anyone who challenged me. I was led to believe that this world was an evil place filled with cops who control hospitals that injure, government agencies that brainwash, church leaders who lie and lust, husbands who refuse to protect, and children who need abused. My choice to believe and behave this paranoia culminated into criminal activity for which I stand before you today ready to take accountability. Jody Hildebrandt was never my business partner nor was I ever employed by her. I have never received wages from her or connections. Jody was employed as my son's counselor in 2019, and in 2020, I paid her 
to be my mentor. It is important to me to demonstrate my remorse and regret without blame. I take full accountability for my choices and it is my preference that I'll serve a prison sentence. Thank you to the officers in Santa Clara and the Ivan City Police, Nick Hellman, Brian Palufo, Sai Pikivit, Mike Pandoyo in Tobler, John Ward, D. Lewis, and Chief Flowers. You were the angels who came and saved my children. I especially want to thank Detective Jay Bate. She plucked me out of a situation I didn't know how to get out of. And the moment she handcuffed me was the moment I gained. You know, this is like if you don't know anything about this case and watching her right. uh, her, her little speech there, her little, uh, someone in the chat called it her Oscar speech. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, and without knowing what she did all those years, especially with the Eight Passengers podcast, mm -hmm. where she had, I believe it was a million and a half uh, subscribers. Right. Uh, and it was like a live show of abuse right. of uh showing it to these millions of people what she was doing to her children and then somehow that uh eight passengers podcast was taken down because people did make complaints to the authorities people did make complaints to the police people did make uh complaints to child welfare but yet the podcast was taken down, but then she goes and works with and for Jody Hildebrandt, where things got even worse. And when we also think about that, Jody Hildebrandt was like was a marriage counselor. How many marriages did she break up? How many marriages did she destroy through her horrific advice to these poor people? And in under that type of umbrella, to listen to Ruby Frankie now thanking people like this is the Oscars, thanking mm -hmm. specifically people in law enforcement, like that they stopped you and this other monster from doing what you were doing. It's almost laughable. It's hard to believe that an adult who's been married with a family, a husband, a home, working, uh, having a, a podcast uh, and, you know, raising children could be so demented and abusive of those children and then allow this other person into and so she was abusive to the children before she even met jody hildebrand so there's no nothing like oh hildebrand turned you know little bull peep into a monster no ruby frank was a monster to begin with and uh jody hildebrand made it worse because she was so you know intent on splitting up you saw that she would split up uh, families. The husband would be accused of a, a porn addiction. Children would be, would be accused of uh, be, uh, thinking about nothing but masturbation. It was just incredible stuff. And yeah, the, this stuff with uh, the children and the abuse, the beanbag incident with the, the son talking about it, um, all that happened before she hooked up with Hildebrand. So therefore, she was a monster. And the idea that she's thanking law enforcement for saving her children from herself and herself from this hell that she didn't even realize was going on. It's, it's, it, I, I can't even think of a word for it. It's it just, it's terrible. That's the best word I could. I can't, cause I don't want to use it. It's actually, it's actually comical. Like to think. Yeah, that, uh, it's crazy. 
she's going to get to anyone there. Anyway, folks, if um, if you like true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell, hit the like button, share us with your friends and your family. And if you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel membership with uh, five different levels. And we really appreciate our Patreon and our YouTube channel memberships. They're, they're, they are the people that keep this show going and uh, keep us wanting to put out the next episode. You know, I just want to ask some of you guys in the chat. One of the things that just watching these hearings has really struck me. I see um, no remorse. I see the remorse as being manipulative type remorse, remorse that's designed to manipulate uh, people that are hearing them speak in the court of law. I mean, in the case of Jody Hildebrandt, she's just a, 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 a total, total monster. Um, perhaps Ruby Frankie, she's not as monstrous, but she is a monster also. But the bigger monster, I believe, is, uh, is this woman right here on the screen, Jody Hildebrandt. And that's how she's going to look for the next uh, anywhere from four to 60 years, uh, depending on how stiff a sentence she actually gets from this. Um, so let me return to the hearing. We can hear the rest of this Oscar speech. My freedom. You were not the controlling ones. I was. Thank you to the medical staff at Intermountain Hospital. Your skill, tenderness, and professionalism helped heal my children. Jody and I inflicted the injuries, not the hospital. Thank you to DCFS, the Children's Justice Center, Judge Basil, and other key adults. You've gathered my children under your wing and offered them love, compassion, encouragement. You were not the ones who were doing the brainwashing. Thank you to my Bishop Tom Hawks and my state president, Jim Nelson, for reminding me of the Lord's love for the lost. So much pain and suffering would have been avoided had I followed and heeded your counsel. I was the one who was deceived, not you. Thank you to the Washington County Prosecutor's Office, Ryan Shaw, the legal assistants and discovery clerks. Eric Clark, you exemplified to me how justice and mercy are meant to coexist. My charges are just. They offer safety to my family, accountability to the public, and they did show mercy to me. Thank you to my attorney, Lamar Winward, and his staff. I would not be where I am today without them. Thank you to Randy Kester for your limitless energy in healing my family. My dear friends, Pam and Roy, I'm so sorry for letting you down. Because of your association with me, your innocence was called into question. My mother-in-law, father-in-law, Kevin's family, my cousins, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, and neighbors, you all saw the warning signs long before I did, and you did what you could. You wanted to help, but I pushed you away. 
my mother and father, I have been utterly wretched to you. You have offered me unconditional love, and for that I have offered you unconditional contempt. My siblings and their spouses, because of my decision to roll around in a pigsty, I have dragged your families through the mud in public. Yet, when I desired to return as a prodigal sister, unlike the prodigal's brother in the Bible, you synced stuck with my parents and ran out to greet me. Your capacity to love is unprecedented. I sincerely love these children. All right, we, we, we heard that speech before. Yeah, we uh, heard that one. Yeah, yeah. That, that, one is, uh, yeah. that one is even worse than this one. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I can't, we, we, we've discussed the elephant in the room in this case too. Uh, and, and maybe we were unpopular because we do that sometimes. But uh, the church, the church was involved in this in some way. The Church of the Latter-day Saints was referring clients to Jody Hildebrandt. Um, what is their exposure in this, Mike, when we talk about restitution? Restitution. If they were referring patients, counseling clients to Jody Hildebrandt for her business connections, what is their exposure? Can they be sued also? It's possible they could be that because they didn't do their due diligence, they didn't maybe vet this person that um, that there was some negligence, uh, that sort of thing. It's possible. It's possible. Um, you know. We'll see. It depends also on state law. Have have other religious or you know what's precedent in there also because these are state charges. You know state civil law. Have they has there ever been lawsuits that are successful against uh, any any religious institution out there, a church or the headquarters of a religion? Uh, maybe you know because you see this sort of thing in uh, you know sexual abuse in the Catholic Church and things like that. You know people want to sue the diocese and diocese have actually. Uh, declared bankruptcy over these sorts of things. So it is possible, but uh, it's a law. I think it, it, there's not uh, going to be a lot of success because it's difficult um, to, you know, you have to have some sort of proof. You know, you can't just, just not on a single assertion, but it also depends if there are numerous uh, cases that may be brought, the, the church may just decide to settle. Uh, they do that. We've seen that in New York. They'll just settle for, you know, whatever amount of money. They'll just give you the check. They don't want to go to trial. They give you the check and you sign a, uh, you know, a, an order uh, that you will not speak to anyone, no member of uh, the, the, the press, that you will not publicly comment on it. And then we'll give you a check, you know, that sort of thing. So it's possible, but it's it's slim. But this is. This well, you know, Mike, there's a great comment from the chat. Uh, beautiful day. Judges LDS, prosecutors LDS, defense attorneys LDS, good luck suing the church. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. Utah is corrupt because of the power and money of LDS, like trying a case in the Vatican. Yeah. Well, Maybe. beautiful day. I think, uh, you know, we've heard that before. Right. In covering this case. And we've also, you know, we've seen um, the power of the Catholic Church also. And sure. what uh, Professor Mike was referring to was in, in a huge case in the archdiocese mm -hmm. of, of boston years ago yeah 
Oh, yeah. uh, I think it was uh, featured in the, the movie Spotlight. Yeah, uh, yeah. With Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. uh, what the church's response to their horrific um, liability was to go bankrupt. Right. So that right. they wouldn't have to pay the full settlements of how many people mm -hmm. sued because of the horrific scandal that occurred in the church. Yeah. Frederick Nietzsche said, you know, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. When you don't have anybody to answer to, and it's like that for, you know, generations, um, it, it, it tends, this is what uh, humans tend to do to each other. And, and that's sad. And so it's a possibility. Um, perhaps it's, I don't know for probability, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Let me play a little bit of this here on the screen. To prison for abusing her children. Moments ago, the Utah mother of six was sentenced to four consecutive sentences of one to 15 years in prison on child abuse charges. Her reaction scene right there. Frankie and her business partner pleaded guilty to charges after. It almost looked like when she was walking into the courtroom, like she was like flirting with the. Uh, I, I, wait, I'll, I'll pull it back. Yeah, a yeah, little yeah. Before. After police found one of Frankie's sons emaciated with open wounds and bound with duct tape, while one of her daughters was malnourished. Letting us off this hour, our Phil Lipoff, also our legal contributor and criminal defense attorney, Shauna Lloyd. Phil, let's start with you and just bring us the news on how much time she really is expected to spend in prison. This is a pretty horrific case, uh, Kira, that you've been following. We've all been following. Millions of people uh, have been looking to this sentencing. Ruby Frankie pleaded guilty and Jody Hildebrand, her business partner, both uh, to four counts each of aggravated child abuse. Today, they got the max. As you mentioned, you add all the cases up, it's, it, all the charges up. It's four to 60 years. Each count was one to 15 uh, and, and consecutive. Now, under Utah law, it will be up to the parole board to figure out exactly how much of that time they were sentenced to. Boom. That's where I have the problem. Mm -hmm. It's up to the parole board is where right. the politics, the money, uh, other people's opinions come in. Uh, I don't trust that. Don't forget and many of us here have forgotten, they were initially charged with six counts. Mm -hmm. Two of the counts were thrown out. So if there was, say, six counts of one to 15, uh, you know, then at least they would you know, have to do even more time than uh, it looks like they're going to do. It doesn't look like they – look, I could see Ruby Frankie being paroled after four years. I really oh, yeah. could. Yeah. Uh, with – Jody Hildebrandt, I don't see that, but Ruby Frankie, I do. Uh, the potential of that. Let me let me play this again. She will be behind bars. We're told that should happen in about six months. By the way, there was a lengthy statement today uh, given by Frankie to the court. She referred to her children as my babies, my six chicks. That's a quote, and she compared herself to a mama duck. Mama Doug, it's now Mama Dunn. Shauna, sentencing in Utah works differently than other states, though. So how do you think that played a part uh, in today's decision? Well, it, what it does is it basically bifurcates them. So the judge makes a determination on whether they'll be concurrently or consecutively, and she looks at the range, and then the parole board is going to look at all everything, their total aggregate sentence, how much that could potentially be, what time served has already happened, and then they come up with the exact amount of time she will actually spend in prison. 
So, Phil, Frankie's husband uh, has now filed for divorce. He's suing uh, her partner, Hildebrandt, for restitution. What's the latest there? Well, Ru Ruby's husband, Kevin, who you're talking about, was actually in court today, the two of his adult children, uh, for the sentencing. He has filed for divorce, as you point out. He's looking uh, to regain custody of his kids. He was estranged uh, from Ruby. Now he has filed for divorce. He's also suing Hildebrandt for restitution. He says his kids are going to need years of therapy because of what they went through. During her lengthy statement in court today, Ruby called Kevin the love of her life. And as he heard that, our folks who were in court to see it say he kind of shook his head, he turned red, was very emotional, and then just simply put his head in his hands. You know, he seemed like a very weak uh, husband based on his actions. He was sort of kicked out of the house uh, when his wife goes to live with um, Jody Hildebrand. And he wasn't seen for like, I believe, almost 14 months. So I just find him as a, a non- factor in this case, although I felt, as we covered this case, that he had some culpability too. Don't forget, he was number two during the eight-passenger podcast mm -hmm. that they ran for several years, and all of a sudden, he's the aggrieved one. And I don't doubt he's aggrieved because Jody Hildebrandt was advising his wife to get rid of him and that he was evil and he was this and he was that. So yeah, he was part of that too. But I don't believe that he was a very strong, uh, a strong man in this case. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, he doesn't get Father of the Year award from me either. Remember, there was a video of him trying to talk the pol uh, police into like arresting his daughter, his the oldest daughter, for uh, burglary when she came back to the house after she'd moved out uh, to get like her laptop. Um, you know, I have no sympathy for the guy. I, I'm sure that if he could have done it over, he would have done it differently. But yeah, absenting yourself from the home where you have four children. I'm sorry, you're a father, you're a mother, the, you're a parent. Those are your children. You can't do that. You can't absent yourself. Oh, I'm no longer, you know, going to deal with my my family. No, that's your family. You created it. You deal with it. You're legally responsible. Um, you don't get to just say, uh, time out, I'm going to walk away from here. No, absolutely not. Uh, I have no sympathy for the guy. Um, he's, he's weak. Uh, it's hard to get to know where he's actually coming from. Um, and I guess perhaps he does want some of that money that uh, Hildebrand has because he does realize with his wife now in, 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 the, in prison, he's the only one left that's going to have any sort of resources in order to help his children with whatever therapy they need. And so therefore he's going to get that money for them somehow, but uh, no father of the year award for me. I'm sorry. None. No, absolutely not. You know, I want to ask you folks in the chat, how many people think, and if, if you think the first thing I'm going to suggest, put a one in the chat that Ruby Frankie, and I'm going to uh, put them together and Jody Hildebrandt are remorseful. Um, for what they did. And if you believe they're remorseful, put a number one in the chat. The second one, if you believe they are not remorseful, but perhaps using that same psychological game of pretending that they're remorseful so as to be more sympathetic, put a two in the chat. I'm just interested. Well, I think I, think I know the answers to this because it's... Um, you know, watching them, they're even in their... Uh, post-sentencing statements, 
they were very manipulative. And but more so Ruby Frankie than Jody Hildebrand. When Jody Hildebrand said that she truly loved those children, I think people wanted to choke on whatever they were drinking or eating at the time because it makes absolutely no sense at all. I see I see a lot of twos. I don't, I'm not seeing any ones. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's um, Crocodile Tears. That's right, Joanne W., Crocodile Tears. Yep, Crocodile Tears, that's for sure. Um, it's, you know, it's it's such a sad case. Uh, Nicole Chambo, I think Ruby has remorse, but Jody doesn't. Well, you know, the, the, the fact that um, Jody said that her husband, Kevin, was the love of her life. Well, you know what? When you have six children with someone, you can't dismiss your life with that person, right? But what happened to those children and what did he do about it? it he stayed away for 14 months. He knew the situation his kids were in. I think he could have been a little stronger presence, you know? And again, so many people have told us through this case, well, the church was involved in this. And perhaps that's what intimidated him to stay away and stay away he did for almost 14 months. And now he's divorcing Ruby. Could that also be a financial reason? They both must have money too. They made millions of dollars, millions of dollars doing the Eight Passengers podcast for over five years. And then uh, Ruby connected with Jody Hildebrand. I'm sure they were making a ton of money too. So they have money. And one of the things that people do when they get sued is they try to liquidate. But I think an order went out that um, uh, Jody Hildebrand was not to sell that home that you see in this picture or this home. There is a better picture that she'd be forbidden to sell that home, which is a huge asset. So potentially, yes, that, that home, uh, if it's not owned by the bank, could be taken in restitution to pay for the damage that she's done. How about all the other people that no doubt will be coming out of the woodwork, and I'm not saying they don't have a reason to come out of the woodwork, to sue Jody Hildebrand over her horrific counseling of them? Mike, your thoughts with that? Yeah, Jody Hildebrand has a lot more uh, legal uh, vulnerability here when it comes to um, you know losing all of her assets because she was the one who was counseling a number of people. Uh, probably, you know, um, Jody Frank. Is, I'm sorry, Ruby Frank is going to have probably her. You know, if there is possibly a lawsuit somehow with the children, I don't know. You got the divorce with the husband, and they'll be fighting over assets because he'll want to try to protect that as much as he can from her, you know, sever their relationship so that if anybody ever goes after her, he's not going to pay. But uh, Hildebrand, yeah, she has a lot of, of uh, vulnerability because, you know, any of those husbands or any of those couples who may have been divorced or may have followed her, her, um, her ridiculous advice, whatever they did, split up, things like that, they could perhaps sue her for, for uh, you know, malpractice and things like that. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's looking at, at at bankruptcy and she's looking at, uh, you know, I don't have any sort of faith that people are going to be fully restored in any way. Money can't do that. But I, I imagine that whatever her assets are, they're going to be put into a pool and everybody's just going to get like one piece of the pie, uh, like that sort of thing. 
but it's going to take a couple of years and it's going to take a lot of time and effort to do that. And, uh, you know, in the end, will it be, uh, will you be able to make someone whole by just giving them a check? I don't think so, but whatever happens, uh, and whatever money they lose, it's well-deserved. It's a well-deserved loss. You know, here's the picture on the screen of Kevin Frankie and Ruby Frankie. And, um, Again, six children together. So when she did make that statement that Kevin Frankie was the love of his life, apparently he got all emotional about it because there is six children uh, between them. But so many things uh, went wrong in this case. And, you know, it's amazing to me and amazing, I think I could speak for both of us, how long this went on. And had the one child not escaped, it would still be going on. And we mentioned how many times um, this was reported to the police. And uh, I think it was in Utah, it's called something different. We would call it the Administration of Children's Services, Bureau of Child Welfare. They changed the name of that every couple of years. Um, They were notified numerous times and did nothing. So... Where is the liability there, Mike? You know, obviously bad things were going on. And even when the police responded to the home and they knew that the kids were in there alone and they didn't break the door down to get in there when there was an allegation of imminent danger. I was shocked at that. Yeah, there is like, you know, we've seen this in New York City with, you say, Administrative and Children's Services. Um Every couple of years, people who aren't from like the New York area, um, yeah, every couple of years, there'll be a tragedy where a young child will die and they'll go back and they'll do an investigation and they'll find out that the parents have been, you know, a case file opened up on them because of child neglect, child abuse. And that happens, unfortunately, frequently. And uh, it's same here. They have an, an open case and um, they don't really, uh, for lack of, you know, uh, pow- police powers, but I don't really think so. I, I think if you have anywhere in America, if there's a case of an allegation of child abuse or child endangerment, that you can actually, you're going to take down that door, you're going to climb through that window, and nobody's going to fault you later on if after all is said and done, you find that those children are perfectly healthy and happy because, uh, you know, if they're home alone and they're and they're under like 18 uh, you know, where's the parent? So, you know, the, the parents won't be able to complain about what the police did by not actually being proactive. You leave the child and those children in a very vulnerable position. And therefore, you know, you're putting your career on the line, your, your liability as a police officer for not doing your job under state law for negligence. So they, they, it's possible they they could be uh, held liable. Thank God that young boy re- got out of that house, or the the younger he and the younger daughter may have uh, may have died by this point. Yeah. Two uh, uh, very good points, Mike. Uh, but in the chat, uh, a Utah person, Joanne W, has uh, reminded us that in Utah they call it the Department of Child, thank you, Family and Youth Services. Joanne W, thank you so much. Wanda Courtney. Uh, Hildebrand house for sale on Zillow since January 2024. Sorry, Miss Speldo. It's okay. Wanda, yeah, that may be the case, but I would think there must be some kind of lien that if it is sold, 
uh, the money does not just go to her. I would think that she's getting sued from left and right. I don't think uh, these lawsuits would allow that money to be uh, to be unaccounted for. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, I think that uh, they could put a stop on it. And who knows if the county is going to do that? You know, have the sheriff seize the house and then later on have it, you know, sell it at auction and make sure that the money goes into the county's coffers into the county would then, you know, uh, write checks to uh, hold it and then write a check for if, if they ever have to give that money to any sort of um, victims. But uh, I would like to think that they would do that. Um, hopefully they would. Hopefully they've already got uh, a hold on the house and, uh, and and to do that and prevent that. Because you do once she gets the check, if they haven't done that, once she gets the check, she, she's going to try all her might to hide it. You know. Yeah, I, I don't think she's going to be able to do that. Let's finish the ABC uh, report on this. Well, Shauna, the judge read victim impact sentences as well. Uh, I'm sure that that had some type of impact here on Frankie's sentencing. Absolutely. And when the board looks at it, let's remember, they're also going to look at anything that can increase that sentence or mitigate it. So the fact that these were children, that's going to be factored into the board's decision. They're going to look at the extent of the abuse. All of these items are going to be factored into that decision and exactly how much time from one to 15 years they'll receive for each charge. All right, Philip Ah, Shana Lloyd, appreciate you both so much. And for more on how Ruby Frankie rose to fame and whether there were missed signs. Well, you know, something we know, we know all about that. We know how she rose to fame. We know how this all went down. Uh, and, you know, luckily, not all these cases, well, I'm not saying this is a happy ending. No, no. But it's a much better ending to this case than uh, happens in some other cases where child winds up dead because no one reported it nobody did the right thing and it's allowed to go on beyond how long it should have ever gone on mike let me just go to a quick commercial folks if you're looking for a great attorney in the new york city metropolitan area then joe murray is your man uh you can reach joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855 email him at joe at jmurray-law.com go on his website jmurray-law.com Joe is a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney and a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. We always like to give him a shout out for that. So, you know, the whole premise of this uh, of this little um, show we did today was uh, put the thumbnail up on the screen. And we know that it was, they were sentenced a couple of days ago. But our big question was, was there any remorse shown? And um, in my opinion, no, it was self-serving remorse. It was remorse designed to be heard by the parole board. When it comes up time for, say, Ruby Frankie or Jody Hildebrandt to be considered for parole, those statements are in record. They'll read those statements of how Jody loved all the children and can't believe that she and that, when her when her attorney said there's two sides to all I was like whoa whoa let's hold it back because the judge is not going to be happy to hear that she already pled guilty let's not talk about two sides to the story right okay. and then of course someone in the chat said again very uh, it was funny that uh, Ruby Frankie gave an unbelievable Oscar speech where she thanked 
half of Utah uh, in the courtroom. And that that was not um, very believable either, Mike. Yeah, Billy, those statements are on record and they will be able to point to those statements to show remorse and therefore entitlement to some sort of break, uh, maybe early parole, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and again, those decisions are going to be made by a parole board behind closed doors with no accountability to the public. Um, and there's not much the public can do about it. Um, but that is very serious. And they know they knew, they already knew what the sentence was going to be. They're just trying to get something there on record. And you could see even with uh, Jody Hildebrandt's attorney, uh, he was trying to intimate to the court without saying it directly that there was, you know, another side that was never really litigated. But again, if, if I was a judge, I, you know, maybe I'd slap him a little bit, but for what he did, but the judge was very, very classy and just let it go. And uh, you're right. That's all it's for. It's for posterity. So they could say, see, I absolutely have begun my rehabilitation because I thanked everybody for saving my children from me. Yeah. It's incredible. It's just incredible. And I, you know, I just want to also uh, let everyone else know that's listening is that the children were not the only victims of Ruby, Frankie, and Jody Hildebrandt. We saw Jody Hildebrandt's own niece, Jesse Hildebrandt, who she just tortured for years mm -hmm. and somehow also got away with that. And guess what? That's not brought up in this courtroom. She's not being charged with that. No. I mean, that very well could be part of a civil case where her, her niece goes after her money, and I wouldn't blame her if she did. Uh, I think she should, you know. So, the again, the, the whole premise of this show was, is there any remorse here? Is there any retribution? Are they feeling bad for what they did? Or is this just, as someone else in the chat said, crocodile tears and... Uh, I think that's what it was. Uh, Elizabeth Salvatore from uh, the chat. The husband is super weak, but you have to remember the LDS was protecting Jody Hildebrand. The LDS is famous for hiding families from a rebellious spouse. He definitely had to walk a fine line. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. that you know, we we did several shows where we spoke about the elephant in the room. And that was definitely the elephant in the room. Joanne W., I don't know if, if, if these are accurate statistics that you're putting forth, but I take that this is Jody Hildebrandt's home. They're asking for $5.3 million for a 10,000-square-foot house. Is that is that accurate? Uh, if that's the case, that's a, that's a nice piece of change to put in the lawsuit pot, you know, right. to put to uh, – to give out there for uh, people that are going to be in online to sue her. Uh, um, someone, uh, Denise Wards. Hey, did you guys read the letters from Ruby's parents and her brother, Bo? Denise, I did not. I wish I, we didn't have access to that today. I will try to read it after we go off the air, but thank you so much for letting us know. Uh, and I don't know if, if you're referring were those uh, positive letters or were they negative letters? Because, they said there was some impact statements and usually an impact statement is someone who was a victim of one of these people. And they, they say how horrific what they did affected them. So I don't know Denise Ward's uh, if her parents wrote a good letter or a bad letter and her brother wrote a good letter or a bad letter, but 
you heard Ruby uh, also thanking her uh, siblings for trying to warn her you're being evil. You know, <laughs> I just think it's uh, it, it, it's really it, it, it's almost funny if it wasn't this serious, you know. Uh, Elizabeth Salvatore answered to that the fact Jody H hate for men because of a domineering father. No, surreptitiously, the first thing Jody H. did was try to break any influence by the male by ostracizing him. Elizabeth Salvatore, I, I, uh, I absolutely believe you. And beautiful day from the chat. The letters from the parents and the brother, they blamed Jody, both of them. Of course, that's the logical person to blame, but Ruby Frankie was a bit of a monster before uh, she met Jody. So who made her that way before she met Jody? Um, Jessica Pinkerton, do you think they will reunite after they are released? You mean Jody and um, and uh, Ruby? I don't think so. I think that uh, if they get out early, they will be under the supervision of parole because that sentence, 1 to 15 consecutive, 1 to 15, you, I would imagine you have to do at least four years. So that means... They still have all those other years that they're under the supervision of parole. So if they do anything wrong, which would be to deal with each other, could put them right back in the slammer. Right. Uh, JJ, you have to ask the question, what kind of parent abuses the kids in this manner and not see something wrong with it? Answer, in my opinion, a demented animal. Parents who see no wrong with it are dangerous. I agree, JJ, absolutely. Uh a lot of comments. Uh, Elizabeth Salvatore again. Not surprising that is. You could see the sheer resistance of Jody H. When she talked around her actions. Prosecutor was clear her jail calls. She blamed the children and the law. Of course, she's what we refer to as a narcissist. Right? Right. As a narcissist. And it's everyone else's fault other than hers. All right, Mike. You know, we're going to wrap this up right now. Your final thoughts. Final thoughts, if everyone in the chat and everyone who's listening, uh, it feels a little bit left unsatisfied by what has happened with Hildebrand and Frankie, you know, join the club. I'm right there with you 100%. Let's just hope, keep our fingers crossed that the parole board, uh, parole and pardons and whatever they call it and probation in Utah does the right thing and, and really does consider the fact that these weren't, uh, these were children who were abused and they were abused for years and that they do the right thing and give both uh, Jody and Frankie uh, the just punishment that they deserve. Very well said, Mike. Folks, uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. I think this, this chapter of this case is absolutely over with Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt getting their just desserts, as they call it, in the criminal justice system and being sentenced to state prison. Have a great day, everyone, and God bless from Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Good night.